0: Business leaders, listen up. It's time to eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on your business teams. It's time to change the culture of your team. That means you as the leader must change. It's time for you to have impact. Learn how from corporate consultant Dave Anderson on Impact Talk Radio. It's a learning hour of no fluff, straight talk with solutions designed to impact high-impact leaders who want to lead high-impact teams. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson with Impact Talk Radio.
1: So let me ask you something. What does good look like? I'm talking about your team. I'm talking about, you know, if you were to design a team, a dream team at work, what would that be like? What would that team look like? Well, I guess since you're listening to me and I'm here by myself. My guest doesn't come on for another 10 minutes. I guess I've got to answer that question. You know, When I think about a dream team, I'm, talk- I'm thinking about a team full of leaders. I mean, people who lead no matter their title. I'm talking about people who are characterized by initiative. They're problem solvers, not just problem finders. It's a team where people are self-motivated, you know, and they don't need me to direct them all the time. A team that doesn't play politics, that enjoys working together, and they trust one another, really. I mean, I'm talking about a team where I don't spend the majority of my time putting out fires or, God forbid, mediating disagreements between the team members. I've done that before. I'm talking about a team that knows what I want, but it's still willing to challenge me if they have a better idea. It's a team that allows me, even when I want to take a week off, I know I can rest easy. Because I trust them to make wise decisions in my absence. See, there are low-maintenance people and there are high-maintenance people. When I say a high-maintenance person, you probably are thinking about a specific person right now. (laughs) I know I am. But, you know, there are low-maintenance teams and there are high-maintenance teams as well. And what I just described, that dream team is a low-maintenance team. I'm Dave Anderson, and you're listening to Impact Talk Radio. And on this show and every show, you're going to get a dose of reality, a dose of advice, a dose of impact solutions, and a dose of hope. You're going to find Impact Talk Radio on toginet.com. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com, Or you can download Impact Talk Radio on iTunes. Now we this is the fourth show in a in a series of four where we've talked about how does an how does a leader impact the culture of their team. See, I've now had led high maintenance teams and low maintenance teams. I've led both types of teams. Let me tell you low maintenance teams are much better to lead. See, I but what I do now is I help leaders convert a high maintenance team to a low maintenance team. I mean, I do talks, I speak, you know, I do, I blog, I have a blog site, Anderson Leadership Solutions or you can type in just com, and you can read my blogs there or you know, I also have even created an online course at overwhelmmanagersguide.com or short om-guide.com. That's designed to help overwhelm managers build low maintenance teams. And I did this because I kept hearing the frustration in leaders' voices. I kept hearing leaders just being so frustrated with what they were dealing with on their team. I mean, I hear things like, you know, why doesn't my team act like a team? I mean, why am I always dealing with politics and bad attitudes and distrust and people sniping at each other? You know, why haven't we come close to reaching our potential? I'm always putting out fires, Dave. You know, I never seem to have enough time for the big issues. I'm I'm dealing with all the small, piddly day-to-day stuff. The day-to-day tyranny, the urgent, just seems to overwhelm the important things. When I wa- want to be spending time on people development, I've got all this other stuff going on. When I want to do strategic things, I've got all this day-to-day stuff that these fires that I'm putting out. I'm stuck in the weeds all the time, and I, you know, and I and I can never get to what I intend to focus on. I mean, these soul-searching questions summarize what I see a lot of leaders struggling with in their organizations. And, you know, whether I'm talking to entrepreneurs or small business owners, whether I'm speaking to frontline leaders, middle managers, sales managers, wherever people are leading, at that point, I usually ask them, I usually say something along the lines of, so let me ask you something. Where do you stand for? What do you stand for? And if you know what you stand for, does your team know what you stand for? That's the question, right? I mean, what's important to me? What's, what do I stand for? What's important to me? And if someone were to ask me, me, Dave Anderson, what's truly important in my life, I'd probably list four things. I'd probably say faith, family, integrity, and impact. I mean, faith for me, you know, I truly believe that without God's strength, the next three will never reach their potential. I mean, and my family, family is the most important thing I have on this earth. And family is the only legacy that was going to outlast me here after I die. Integrity, integrity is important to me because my integrity is the one thing in life I have 100% control of. And impact, well, listen, some of you might have heard me say this before, but if I'm not making a positive impact on others, I don't know why I'm here. But the question we're talking about here today is, those are some of my personal values, but what about your values at work? How would you answer, what do I stand for at work? You know, what do you want your team to stand for? See, knowing what values are important to me as a leader and declaring them publicly is a critical first step in ensuring what, uh, that I have the team that I want. See, our values define the behavioral expectations we have for our team. Knowing what we stand for, we're going to make decisions based on our values, not our circumstances. Otherwise, our decisions are just going to be reactionary and inconsistent. When a leader of a team or a family doesn't know what he or she stands for, then that leader's decisions are probably going to be unpredictable and inconsistent as well. I mean, let's face it, this, in that case, when you're unpredictable, inconsistent, that hurts the level of trust others have in you, whether it be somebody at work or your family. Now, when I'm talking about covenants here, I mean, when I'm talking about values here, I'm talking about covenants, not contracts. What's the difference between a contract and a covenant? Well, see, a contract basically says, if you do this, then I will do that. You know, if you pay me this, then I will provide this service. If I provide this service for you, I expect you to pay me. Those are contracts. But see, a covenant is different. A covenant says, I'm going to do this no matter what you do. Covenants are independent of everybody else. It states clearly, it is a vow that says, I am going to do this no matter what comes next, no matter what you do, no matter what circumstances face me. I mean, that's why they call it a covenant of a marriage, right? The covenant of marriage says, I mean, our wedding vows say, I'm going to love, honor, and cherish you until death do us part, period. It doesn't say as long as you do the same, or as long as I feel like your level of love, honor, and cherish is exactly the same as mine, and, and therefore we have we have an agreement here. No, that's why it's called a marriage covenant. You know, honestly, I think maybe that's where so many of us get in trouble. I know I get in trouble when I start keeping score in my marriage. How many times have I taken the kids to soccer practice or football practice or whatever in the last week versus how many times she has? I mean, as soon as I start thinking that way, I'm setting myself up for trouble. I mean, and if we stopped thinking of our marriage in a contractual way and started thinking of it in a covenant way, saying, I'm going to do this no matter what you do, maybe we'd have fewer marriages in trouble. But that's my point about values. Our values stated, good values, the values that we claim need to be covenants, need to be independent of the actions of other people. Because if they're independent of the actions of other people, then I'm in control. It's a great thing to feel like you're in control because these are, I'm saying, I'm doing this no matter what you do. And these are things that people can rely on from me. So Today, we're going to talk about values. We're going to talk about how do you go about defining what good looks like. We're going to talk about the importance of values to your team and how do you define your values, how you identify values and define the values. And I'm really looking forward to discussing this with, uh, with our, our guest today. Our guest is Brian Brandt of Core Insights. He is a, he's a great leader. I'm, and I've known Brian for a number of years now. He's an, he's an entrepreneur and a CEO of Core Insights. And he does leadership and management consulting. Uh, and he's been a CEO, a national sales director, executive pastor. And he's going to send, send, uh, share his experiences and his advice with us today. But, look, we're going, to, we're going into a break here, and I just want to remind you, if you want to get more information about what I do or if you want to get, read the blogs, go to AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. You can also find me at Twitter at DaveAnderson88, DaveAnderson88. Or if you're looking for me on LinkedIn, look for me at Dave Anderson leadership solutions. Put in the whole thing because there's a lot of Dave Andersons out there. I'm looking forward to coming back with Brian and talking about values because I am passionate about this subject. I hope you hear it in my voice because I love talking about this because I truly believe our values, if we live the values and people behave in line with the values that we claim, we're going to have an organization that everybody's going to want to work for and everybody's want, going to want to do business with. We'll be back in just a few seconds here after this message so we can talk to Brian and really dig into this topic. And until then, uh, Stop reacting and start leading.
0: This is Impact Talk Radio. A dose of reality, a dose of advice, a dose of impact solutions. Dave Anderson will be right back.
2: Join the Executive Business Seminar with author and trainer, Dr. Risa Wolf, Ph.D. Are you looking for practical business tips and techniques for dealing with difficult situations or lowering speaking anxiety? Then this show is where you need to be if you're a business owner, corporate executive, or anyone ambitious about their career growth. Dr. Risa Wolf draws from her extensive mentoring background for business leaders and executives and interviews leaders who have practical solutions. Join Dr. Risa Wolf every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for your edition of The Executive Business seminar right here on ABRN, the All Business Radio Network. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward. Keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of paying it forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to mymomknowsbest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on DoggyNet.com. Welcome
0: back to Impact Talk Radio. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson.
1: Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be back here because I've got one of my good friends, Brian Brandt, who's CEO of Core Insights, which is a Texas-based company that provides leadership training, keynotes, strategic planning and coaching for nonprofits, for-profit businesses and for individuals. And I got to know Brian a few years ago because we both live in the same town and we both do the same thing for a living and we became uh, good friends and barbecue eating buddies and, uh, But, you know, before I met Brian, he also has been CEO of another company. He's been a public relations director, a national sales director, executive pastor, and even a college tennis coach. Um, He's been interviewed by lots of radio stations, TV stations, print media, and he writes lots lots of articles for national publications and has a master's degree in global leadership Uh, and I'm just happy to have my good friend Brian Brandt here to discuss this topic uh, of value core values with us today and you know trying to figure out how do we go about defining them thanks Brian for being here with us
3: Dave thanks for the opportunity I appreciate it
1: well i'm I'm I've been spending some time, uh, actually the last few shows, talking about the idea of team culture. And, uh, and today I'm, we're really digging in this whole idea of values. And I know as CEO of multiple companies now, how have you gone about instilling core values uh, that you believed were important into your team members?
3: well dave there 's not a, a one way to do it, of course, but yeah. and i 've done it differently over the years, depending upon the age of the company and the how seasoned the employees are and such but you know there 's really it doesn 't really matter how old the company is there 's nothing more important than hiring for values in mm-hmm. my opinion I think the the way you hire, whether that's the in this case, you know, with Core Insights, we're a three-year-old company, so uh, a lot of you know hiring in that way, you know, hiring for values there, or if you're you know, a more seasoned company and you're just replacing key employees as you're you're new into it, you know, making absolute sure that you are hiring people that really understand your values and will really live out your values. I, I think that's where it starts. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're not always in hiring mode. And so I think, I think communicating them and really, you know, making sure that you're rewarding those people that are, mm-hmm. are living out the values and, quite frankly, correcting those that aren't. Yeah.
1: Well, let me ask you something about the the hiring thing because what I see a lot of companies out there do they have uh, values listed on their website, but, uh, you know, there's not a lot more done about values than that to make them actually sink in. And so let's say you're working in an organization where it's a large organization where it's not, you know, Brian Brandt is not doing the hiring. You have somebody else that they're, they're hiring for uh, you know, a team at another level, a lower level in the organization. How do you help that leader know the values and, and understand the values and then hire for that?
3: You know, I I think a lot of it, I mean, certainly a certain aspect of it is role modeling that Mm -hmm. and making sure that you are living that out with the team that you are responsible for. But then also I think it's a a matter of communicating them well, making it truly a dialogue where, Mm. you know, they're able to give input and provide all of that because – when I, I think in that scenario that you said, where the the website's listing the core values, but maybe parts of the organization aren't living them out, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a slippery so, slope, Dave. Uh, where a lot of people kind of start to to really question the integrity of the organization, uh, both internally and externally, mm-hmm. and yeah. it can really I think cut the feet out from under those leaders who really are trying to live out the values.
1: I mean it's almost better it's almost better if a, if a leader doesn't claim to have values if they're not going to up, uphold them with their with their own behaviors. Oh, uh, absolutely. Because you contradict yourself and I mean you look even more hip, you look like a hypocrite as opposed to just somebody who's doesn't have values.
3: Right, uh, and I think you, we've got to make sure that we're equipping our people to be able to to live out those values. I think about one time I I hadn't had a vacation in a while and Finally, got down to Florida and was, you know, I usually wake up early and I was kind of excited not to wake up early. But Three mornings in a row, I had this trash truck, you know, dumpster waking me up every morning around 530. And on about the third day, I went down and I asked at the front desk about it. And they said, well, I'm sorry. There's just nothing we can do. And right there in front of me, Dave, was their core values of we will do whatever it takes to ensure that you have a phenomenal stay and all of that. (laughs) And, you know, and I just turned the I turned the document around and just pointed at it. And they just kind of gave me this. Oh, man, that stinks. look you know and so you know i do think you know we've got to make sure that we are living out our values but we're also equipping our people uh to live out those values and and giving them the opportunity to do that
1: yeah you know when a team or leader neglects you know d- discussing things around the values and i i was saying in the opening segment lots of times the values are something that people can use to Sift their decisions through Mm. almost a decision matrix, where you can be consistent in your in your decisions as opposed to being tossed around by whatever the circumstances might be. Absolutely. And uh, so, when you're so, what do you at Core Insights? What do you do to help organizations? I mean, how do you help them shape or reinforce their core values or their culture and things? What do you tend to focus on?
3: You know, more often than not, it comes about in the in the way that we develop people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations that in their core values, they talk about how important it is to develop their staff, or they'll call them, you know, their most important customers, <laughs> or their most important asset, or, you know, there's a lot of ways to phrase that, but... Are they really doing it? And so we get the opportunity to come alongside a lot of different companies and nonprofits and really help them develop their people. Uh, and that's through training, through coaching, through motivating, um, even through the facilitation of their planning, because Mm -hmm. if people have a vision for where they're going, and certainly core values are a part of that, and understanding the culture, um, then a lot of times people are really maximized, and they're really engaged, and they're quite frankly excited to fulfill the mission of the organization, and so it's that people development side that probably more often than not is how we play into to helping organizations reinforce their values. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What would you say those you know, I'll tell you, you know, one that you probably see in every organization, you see the word integrity. Boom. Mm-hmm. Integrity, it's up on a wall, it's in a it's on the website, integrity, here it is, you know, when you, I've got to say you're you're a middle manager and you're looking at the people above you and they're not really paying much attention to integrity. Not, that not not people of integrity, but they aren't really focusing on that core value of integrity. You know, if I'm a middle manager, how do how do you would you tell a uh, middle manager to go about reinforcing that inside their, their team?
3: Yeah, you know, you're right, Dave. I do see that a fair amount. I see both the integrity aspect, but then I also see organizations where you have that middle manager who really is into uh, building culture and developing his people and and really, quite frankly, doing the right things and is really Mm -hmm. productive, and maybe that's not the focus of the rest of the organization, and I just encourage them to – do what you can, you know. It, all you can be really held liable for and responsible for is what you can do. Mm. And so, you know, have the greatest level of integrity within your department. Make sure that you are communicating about integrity and other core values, and that you are. And so, you know, uh, treat it as though you're the CEO of your department, really. And yeah. and go, you know what? Take that ownership. And and what I've seen a lot of times, Dave is then, quite frankly, I mean, as you know, and and you and I both are very fond to see that, you know, this stuff produces results. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. like this is just all, you know, soft, warm and fuzzy kumbaya stuff. This stuff produces results. It impacts revenue in a positive way. And so that stuff starts to carry over. People take notice. And I have seen multiple times where it starts with one department and one key middle manager Who's doing the right thing? And the next thing you know, some other people around him are going, hey, you know what? We, we want our departments to be like that. And quite frankly, it infa- infects the whole company in a very, very positive way.
1: You know, you, you just made me think of a specific story I just heard about last week of a group. I, I had a middle manager come in, sat in, uh, sat in through uh, some of my sessions, and then – when I spoke to him just a couple of weeks ago, he was telling me about how he implemented some of the things around communicating values inside his team. And all the departments around him saw his team change, and now they're coming to him saying, hey, h- how do you do that? <laughs> what do you do? And, and it is infectious because you know lots of times people don't feel like they have time for this stuff. But if we can provide them you – know, you and I, that's what we try to do. We try to provide something people can implement you know that that's not just pious high in the sky type theory but stuff that people can actually put into action even in the midst of their craziness of their day
3: absolutely yeah actionable is, is i think key i mean if if all we're doing in training is giving people a feel good or you know giving mm-hmm. them you know the opportunity to sit for 4 hours and, and not both you know apply it and see the vision for it then uh, i think we've we've lost the battle
1: well, if I'm a leader and I'm sitting there listening to this right now, I mean, we're really gearing what we're talking to, and this is right in, right in your wheelhouse, Brian, because we got entrepreneurs who listen to here, we got small business owners, we do have frontline. Middle managers, sales managers, all the above, listening to us today here. And if you know, if there's one critical element that a leader's got to do to uh, make sure the values don't just remind, remain some sort of you know pious sounding words on a website or a poster, you know, what would you tell that leader to do? The most important thing that they can do.
3: Mm. All right, Dave. That's that's a tough one. As far as I mean, the the key word here is one. You want one. Um, (laughs) That's challenging. I I think if I had to narrow it down to one, it would be bold. Mm -hmm. And you know, be bold in and maybe this is cheating a little bit, but being be bold in correcting people. You Mm -hmm. know, fire them if necessary. Be bold Mm -hmm. in supporting people who are taking chances and Mm -hmm. and being innovative. Be bold in not making short-sighted decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think all of. I think boldness is probably that one critical element uh, that would really help ensure that the core values really do get lived out.
1: I think that's huge because, it, you know, if you claim that these values are important then you've got to act like they're important if you claim and you know if the only time the leader gets up is at some year beginning meeting and they say well these are our values and we hold them very dear and 12 months go by and that the ne- next year's meeting these are our values and we hold them very dear and that's the only time that people hear about them that's not being bold but uh-huh. Uh-huh. if if people are you know if the leader is on top of that and like you said holding people accountable coaching people around those values and Expecting people to live out those values and put them into action, I mean, I think that's huge that uh that's that's that example that you brought up early early on there
3: I agree, and you know there's one situation I can remember where uh somebody was looking to hire somebody and i happened to have some insight into them and they asked me about them and i, I they were not a good cultural fit mm-hmm. and i told them that and i i did not miss any words in that and you know, they came back and they were like, well, you know, but they've got the skill set that we really need. And I said, but they're not the only person in the country who has that skill set. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a real short-sighted decision, and they hired him. And, uh, and it caused a lot of problems, uh, you know, a year, two years into it that they really had to unwind. Yeah. And, and it was not surprising to me in the least. And uh, so, you know, that you've got to be bold to, to make the right decisions, make the right calls.
1: That's a uh, that's a great point. I mean, how often are are hiring mistakes mistakes that you did, hired somebody that was incapable of doing the job? It wasn't that usually. Usually, the mistakes I made was I missed the character issue. It's character issues that where the breakdown occurs. Do their values, their character based values, align with the values of the company that's hiring them? And you know, when we come back here uh, after this break, Brian and I are going to talk a little bit more about you know. S- some of these bigger issues here, but we're also going to get into some of the nuts and bolts of, you know, how do how do we go about doing that? How does a busy manager, an overwhelmed manager, get get right down into it and actually take charge of building this team around core values and communicating core values and defining what good looks like? So when we get back here with Brian Brandt Core Insights, we're going to dive right into that. And again, if you ever want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at DaveAnderson88 or you can find me on LinkedIn at Dave Anderson Leadership Solutions, because Dave Anderson is a common name, so type in Leadership Solutions as well. We'll talk with you here in a second.
0: This is Impact Talk Radio. Learn more on Dave Anderson's blog at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Stay with us. Back after these.
2: In today's business world, you have to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Carol is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. In each show, the LinkedIn Lady will have a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how their using social media to stay in touch with not only customers but to attract new relationships that become customers other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of facebook twitter youtube google plaxo squidoo and of course linkedin for more on carol and the show check out her website linkedinlady.com join us for the linkedin lady show with your host carol mcmanus every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m central on the rockstar radio network If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. central on Togenet.com.
0: Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. No No fluff. Just straight talk with impact solutions for high-impact leaders. Here's Dave Anderson.
1: Hey, we're back with Brian Brandt uh, of Core Insights. And listen, Brian and I go back and we – one of the things Brian and I have in common, well, we have a few things in common. Uh, we both have a passion for our, for our Lord. We have a passion for our families. We have a passion for helping develop leaders, and we both have a passion for food. We love <laughs> to hook up together at, at barbecue joints and go to Dollar Taco Night. We were just talking about that during the break, going to Dollar Taco Night here. And uh, uh, Brian, before we get started and we continue on, I want to make sure you get the opportunity to tell people how they, how they can get in touch with you.
3: Okay, great. Uh you know, probably the best way is our website and that's coreinsightsleadership.com, dot com, or they certainly could call our toll free number which is eight 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 four five two zero nine zero five. So 905 So dot com.
1: Awesome. Well uh Brian, we were talking about we were talking about the core values and the, the importance of core values of a team. You know, what about when there's people on your team you mentioned it before but you know what actions should a leader be taking if people on that team are not living up to the core values that are that the leader wants them wants them to live up to
3: well, you know, I think you brought it up a little bit in that first segment. I, I grinned when you said it, but, you know, I think, first of all, can we coach them out of it? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think we, we see that as a challenge. We see that as our responsibility as leaders is to coach people mm-hmm. and to to build them up. You know, when you mentioned I was a college tennis coach, and, you know, one of the greatest things that I enjoyed about being a tennis coach was having those aha moments where people saw things or experienced something that they hadn't experienced before and they caught it and they got excited about it and it became a part of their normal regimen and it made them better and in that same way i think we should as leaders and managers we should get that kind of level of excitement in coaching our people and so first of all i'd say can we coach them Mm -hmm. and help them to see kind of beyond where they currently are to a point where they can really uh, function at a higher level, quite frankly.
2: Yeah. And,
3: But you know what? Not everybody's coachable. And not everything is correctable. And so if it's not, then I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is I think we have to, to be bold, uh, to release them if you want (laughs) to candy coat it. But quite frankly, you know, we may have to fire people, but I think we have to fire people well. And so I think a lot of people will focus on the word fire, but really we should focus on the word well. And, you know, releasing people Mm. well is an, an art and a science. And. Mm -hmm. When we learn to do that right and we aren't afraid of it and man it 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 provides a catalyst for our values within the organization, but it also sets that that person uh, most of the time on a better route again if we do it well but mm. you know and let me just take a second there I mean I can think of several times over my career where I've Fired somebody, and it's been a tremendous catalyst for the culture of our organization because Mm. people are like, they get, they realize, you know what, we're going to live what we say we are. And, you know, one time I was asked to, as I was joining a company, I was told, hey, part of your responsibility is going to be to fire this guy. And so, uh, you know, I was a little frustrated. they Welcome to the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but at the same time, you know, I watched him. I observed. We tried to coach it. It didn't work. And it, it was time to move him on. And it was about seven weeks. I can remember it specifically, Dave. It was about seven weeks. Until something came up where only he could have done that. And so, you know, everybody realized we were paying that guy a really good salary to do very, very little. Yeah. And it was it was an encouragement to the culture because people are like, A, we're not going to stand for that. And B, hey, we better be on our toes, too, and we better be using, mm-hmm. you know, all the gifts and talents that we've been given as well.
1: When we go back to that earlier conversation, we're talking about the hypocritical leader. You know, if you sit there and say that teamwork is an important part of our culture and it's a, one of our values, yet you allow somebody to behave selfishly and they continue to do it, and yet you do nothing to either correct it or move that person out of the organization. You know, people are going to continue to look at you and say, Yeah, you say teamwork's important, but you're not doing anything about it. So if you don't think it's important, why do we think it should? Why should we think it's important? And then that snowball happens where it just builds up and you start getting that toxic environment where, uh, you know, if, and again, it, it doesn't, it's not because of that individual on the team, because we're always going to find individuals like that. It goes back to what's the leader going to do about it proactively? yeah you know, right. take care of the situation um, i you know you use the word coachable and I, and you know i i truly believe that is a window into somebody's character mm. you know when you, when somebody is coachable when they're willing to believe that they have that they, they might have a problem that they might have a weakness they might that they might have made a mistake and hear and listen and try to learn from that and move forward that's a real indication of the type of person you have on your team and if you've got somebody who spends all their time trying to adjust reality uh adjust reality around them as opposed to adjusting to reality i mean then you're then you're then you're dealing with somebody that maybe is probably not a fit for any team i'm going to lead or I'm going to want to lead
3: yeah, that humility and being a lifelong learner mm-hmm. and those two things go a long way because when those two aspects are present in one's life then you know there's a lot of room for growth and if those two aren't there then uh you know a person every person's going to be limited.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So do you do you have any turnaround stories about a, a, a team changing its culture for the better? I mean, maybe when you're a tennis coach, or maybe you stepped into a leadership situation that things were things weren't cruising along the way you wanted to, uh, or maybe it was some something else that you've observed. Do you have any stories like that?
3: I, I do, Dave. Uh, one of my favorites is in 1997, I became the CEO of an organization, and the board that was hiring me made it real clear that uh, we had five years of declining sales. We had significant debt that the board had only recently become aware of. So mm-hmm. you can imagine that right there. Um, they were, it, was, it was pretty Boards significant. Boards love that. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly, yeah. They were pretty frustrated. And there was a pretty serious morale issue among mm-hmm. the staff. And so those really – The board had made it very clear those were really my marching orders was to deal with those three items. Mm -hmm. And as I came in, um, I started looking at the staff first, and, you know, overall, I was very impressed. And Mm. the product they were putting out, um, product and services, I should say, um, they were very good, very top-notch. But – There were some serious communication issues throughout Mm. the organization, and some of those were internal and a lot of them were external. And so as we looked at that and we really addressed, uh, again, kind of from an internal and external standpoint, the marketing and, you know, if I would have put a brochure for that organization in front of you in 1997 and said, hey, when, when do you think this was produced? I'm not kidding. You You would have said, like, 1978. I mean, it, <laughs> was, it was terrible. And um, so we just started to address things, and we started uh, communicating better. We started marketing better. We started doing a lot of media and PR. And that – in this case, and so in this example, we looked at where were where was the issue, and there's a lot of places. You know, I mean, it's almost like surgery, just really looking at where mm-hmm. is the issue, and we found where the issue was, and we took a a, a surgical approach to it, if you will, and addressed it, and with that. We over time it wasn't a it wasn't a quick turnaround. you asked about a turnaround it mm-hmm. wasn't a quick turnaround, but you know within about two years, two and a half years, uh, we saw the enrollment getting to the point where there were long waiting lists and uh, it was going strong. Then we started to chip away at that debt, mm-hmm. and i'll never forget the board meeting where I was able to tell the board. Hey, you know what, we we have no more debt. And they asked me a couple of different times, well, what do you mean by that? And so it was pretty fun to say, Zilch, zero, <laughs> nothing. You know? But then with all of that, the esteem of the organization and the morale of the staff, I mean, they were proud to to wear logoed items. They were proud to hand out yeah. promotional material because we were the the culture changed and and again in this case you know the values were there there was a lot of great work being done uh but because of a few circumstances and just a lack of quality communication uh the culture was really dry i mean that's mm-hmm. a that's yeah. probably the best way to describe it. And so, you know, that's one of my favorite turnarounds just because of the, the impact that it had both on the staff and then all of the people that they serve throughout the country.
1: Well, yeah, and it's interesting when we talk about core values and we talk about – uh, how it impacts and lots of times lots of companies I've worked with they think about okay these are core values we want our customers to see and I say absolutely but it's also about how we behave with each other as well you know it's it's not just about what whether the customers see but what happens when the customer leaves the building or, you know, or le- leaves the premises here? You know, how do, we, how do we treat each other as well? So when you talk about integrity, when you talk about teamwork, it's yes, it's customer-facing, but it's also internally. And if we want to build that organization that everybody wants to work for and everybody wants to do business with, I mean, we've got to make sure our values aren't just outwardly focused but also inwardly focused. And that sounds like what you were talking about as well.
3: I think so because if if it's only outwardly facing, I think it's probably pretty hollow, and mm-hmm. you'll you'll find that you have some, you know, times where it just doesn't hold up to the yeah. pressure. But if it, if it's strong internally, it's real. It's a lot easier for it to be strong externally. It's just organic almost.
1: So I mentioned to you that we got some entrepreneurs and small business owners that listen here. You know. If somebody, if you got an entrepreneur, a small business owner who wants to develop, maybe they haven't gone about developing core values. A lot of big organizations do this, but maybe some small organizations they aren't at that point yet. And, you know what? What tips do you have for for those people who are at that stage in their organization?
3: You know, I, I would I would start with having you know a handful of key people and probably not just you know the senior leadership but maybe some people from different levels of the organization mm-hmm. um sit around for a discussion for, for the you know for starters and look at you know what what do we reward and what do we punish around here mm-hmm. or what do we correct or you know what do we coach and that right there will probably start to give you some hints i would say then also just observe You know, sit back and observe and look at what what are the internal behaviors. And, you know, know, maybe even do some questionnaires, do some surveys, things like that. I would think, and you talked about this a little bit, but, you know, see who is leaving the organization and why. See who is wanting to be a part of the organization and, again, Mm -hmm. why. I think all of those kinds of things would start to give you a clue as to what the True values are, and some of those may be values that you don't don't want, and you go, okay, <laughs> you know what? We've got some repair work to do here, um, but I think that's those are some good starters for how to really determine what you are valuing currently.
1: Yeah, I agree. Sometimes the values are already there. We don't have to make them up. We just need to we just need to dig them out and and uh, put words to them because there are certain things that maybe that we already that we already do extremely well or certain things that already separate us from everybody else that will uh, that we can identify and say look this is already who we are we just need to put put a little bit more meat on the bones so to speak so
3: absolutely. Yeah, Brian, I think we yeah, we have to mine for those core values perhaps.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. You know, I I want to give you an opportunity again here as we wind down the segment here just again to tell people how how they can get in contact with you here if they want to uh contact you at Core Insights.
3: They can go to our website coreinsightsleadership.com or go to our Twitter at, at @coreinsights.
1: That's awesome. Wow. Brian thanks man i really appreciate you being here i mean i I appreciate your insights there you go and uh and bringing it to the listeners here today as we talk about how core values can impact our team and uh again if you guys want to find me you can find me on twitter at dave anderson 88 brian and i are are uh tweet brothers together on twitter i don't know if that's a word or not but we're there so find us there and we'll be back in a second after this message
0: This is Impact Talk Radio. More than theory, doable impact solutions. Stay with us. More from Dave Anderson when we come back. girlfriend
2: is on DougieNet.
0: Talk radio. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson.
1: I can't help laughing that my uh Right at the end there, talking to my good friend Brian Brandt from Core Insights. I called him a tweet brother. I don't even know if that's a term. Maybe I just make that a hashtag or something and send out on Twitter. I'm sure if my kids ever listen to us, they're probably to this, they're probably rolling their eyes. But anyway, I appreciate him sharing his experience and expertise with us. Uh, I mean, it's this has been kind of a great capstone discussion about our team cultures and what the leader does around culture and how we can d- develop that. Because as I said, this is the fourth of four shows around that topic. Uh, we started off with Rob Nielsen uh, at All-American Leadership, when we talked about culture being the leader's job, why the why the leader is responsible for the culture and how the leader can go about doing that. And then we discussed in another show with Stefan Moore of Shiloh Camps, how a leader casts a vision, that far-reaching ideal that's out there, that keeps everybody on track and how a leader goes about doing that. And the pro- show just previous to this one, we talked to General Jim Anderson, who's a Vietnam veteran, a West Point graduate, and my father. And, and he, we talked about how a leader shapes the character of his team and how, how important that is to have to build character into your team. But I know maybe there's some of you out there right now thinking, you know, practically speaking, though, Dave, how am I supposed to do this? And just the craziness of what's going on. You know, I promise you a, a dose of reality, a dose of advice and a dose of impact solutions. So I want to share with you some solutions here. Um. Uh, and what I'm going to walk you through is a process uh, of helping you identify your values and also define your values. And I'm just going to hit it at a high level, but if you want to download a guide to help you do that, you can go to, uh, go to toginet.com toginet.com and go to Impact Talk Radio there. And on that, the website, we're going to uh, put a button uh, on the right-hand side that's going to let you uh, just click on that button and you, you're going to be able to get access to two PDFs that are going to be templates for de- identifying your values and defining your values. So look for that there on the website. But uh, the first thing you need to do and you need to focus on is identifying your values. And again, I just want to reiterate, values guarantee your customers and your employees a certain level of behavior. And values, again, these are covenants, not contracts, okay? These say, I'm going to do this. We as a team are going to do this no matter what our customers do or no matter what the person in the other department does. I mean, they're guides for making decisions, and that's why they're so important. And as Brian and I discussed in the last section, you know, these are traits that are going to make the team, make us the team everybody wants to buy from and everybody wants to work for. That's the key. And so what do we do? Ask your team, what do we do? What do we stand for? What are we already doing? What do we already stand for? What do you think that we do extremely well? Or what separates us from the competition? Asking those type of questions, trying to figure out what's unique. What's a unique value we bring to our customers? You know, what is going to make people want to buy from us? And what is going to make people want to work here at our location? And we start brainstorming on those answers, when I talk about brainstorming, I'm talking about you know, just, just throw everything that people say up on a whiteboard or on a flip chart. Again, Brian mentioned bringing in different people with different stakeholders in the organization. Get everyone to contribute don't qualify your answers yet. Just brainstorm. start listing some action oriented words here when you once you get kind of that that bigger picture of what do you do and and how how you want to be defined, then you start listing some action oriented words and you know encourage everyone to have to throw their ideas up there, even if it sounds like somebody else's or it sounds way off base or something. And then you narrow those down, down that list and you start grouping those things to grouping those words together. And what I want to challenge you to do is to come up with just three to five core values. Too many organizations walk out there with 10 core values and they wonder why they don't, those core values don't really inform or change the way people behave. Well, maybe that's because there's so many of them. Uh, you know, if we have three to five, those are things that, that your middle managers, the people on the front lines, they can wrap their brains around that in the busyness of the day, and they can reinforce three to five. But to sit there and have ten like, the, command, like the commandments uh, from Yahweh to Moses, I mean, that may be too many. I want to encourage you to focus on three to five and really narrow it down to the three to five biggest things, most impactful values that you have. Again, you can download download a template that's going to help you do this. But once you have those three to five values, then I want to encourage you, you want to define what good looks like. You want to define the behaviors that describe what good looks like, like good integrity. What does integrity look like? I mean, one example from one of my companies that I've worked with on defining what what integrity looks like they they listen they listen to things like we will always tell people what we think they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. That's an example of what does good look like. They didn't just say integrity and put it on a website and say that's it. Because I bet you, if you ask people to define integrity, you get a uh, in your company you get a whole slew of different answers. And what we do here is define what good like what, what behaviors look good. And these are descriptive behaviors, not prescriptive. In other words, they give, you know, they are just three or four behaviors. They don't have to be more than that, but they give, they describe what good looks like. They aren't everything that has to do with integrity, but they describe what good looks like in your organization. And again, you want to brainstorm on what these behaviors look like. You want to pull people in and have them list, uh, start talking about what does, what is good integrity look like in our organization and come up with ideas. And then you want to take those ideas and you want to put them in positive language. You want to talk about what we will do versus what we won't do. Like, we won't lie. No, that's not, that's not I don't, I'm not talking about something like that. We, we won't sugarcoat things to other people. No, what this company said is, again, we will always tell people what we think they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. See, it's a positive statement. And here's the key to these things. Everybody who's involved in your organization needs to be able to say, I'm willing to be held accountable to these behaviors by my peers, and I'm willing to hold other people accountable to these behaviors. When you come up with these behaviors, you need to answer those questions. Am I willing to be held accountable by others, and am 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 I willing to hold others accountable for these? See, these values that you define, these values that you say, this is what good looks like, are going to go a long way in helping you guide and coach and, and teach your team and, and form the culture that makes your team the team everybody wants to work for and everybody wants to do business with. Again, if you want to read more about this, the values and things, you can go to Anderson Leadership Solutions and check out my blog. You can also go to the overwhelmmanagersguide.com or for short, if you're on your phone, om-guide.com. And you can download resources and videos there that are going to help you guide your team towards that culture. See, we need to communicate what we stand for. If my family or my team doesn't know what I want us to stand for, should I be surprised when their behaviors stray from those standards? I mean, i got to communicate those values to ensure that they're understood. And, I mean, values that are well thought out and well communicated are infinitely more effective than a laundry list of rules or ever-growing policy manual. I mean, whether it's at work or at home, I don't want to develop a bunch of compliant rule followers. I want to develop wise decision-makers. That's what values do. I tell you what, a strong set of core values that are well-defined and well-communicated is going to kick the tail out of any policy manual that you can come up with. You can't come up with enough policies to deal with every decision somebody's going to need to make or your children are going to need to make. You can't come up with enough rules. So when I frequently and consistently communicate my values to those I lead, they begin to understand how they should think and act regardless of their situation. I mean, if this occurs, I can be confident in how my team and my family will process decisions when I'm not around. When I'm not around my kids, how are they processing their decisions? Well, do they know, do they know the core values of my family? When I'm, when I'm on vacation, as I mentioned in the opening segment, does my team know how they need to make decisions? How should they process decisions when I'm not around? Or am I on call because I have to answer all the questions for them? I want to develop a bunch of good, wise decision makers, not compliant rule followers. So when I'm, on, when I'm doing that, I'm going to be well on my way to creating a low-maintenance team. By knowing and communicating what I stand for, I give myself, my team, my family, a decision-making criteria that's going to help us make critical choices in the heat of the moment. You know, the time to figure out what you stand for is not in the midst of a crisis, not in the midst of crazy circumstances, irate customers or anything like that. It's during those times of reflection right now where you might have an opportunity to say, this is what we stand for and this is what good looks like. You know not knowing what I stand for and not communicating that with those I lead is a, it's a recipe for trouble, really. but you know, the absol- as I mentioned before, the absolutely worst thing I can do for my family or my team is to claim to hold certain values as important and then not live up to them myself and not follow through on the things that Brian Brant spoke about uh, earlier. See, most teams have a set of values published on a website and posted on, on walls in a public area, and perhaps even it's leaders uh, who don't communicate and reinforce or live up to those values, who are responsible for the politics and bad attitudes and distrust on teams. Think about that. It's those leaders who don't live up to those values that are posted, who are responsible for all those things on the team. Who's steering your ship? Who's grabbing hold and steering your ship into port? A ship left adrift rarely ends up in port. It usually always ends up on the reef. That's what I'm talking about here. When you're leading your team, leading your family, grab hold of that wheel and steer your ship into port. When the storm comes, somebody has to be at the wheel. People need to know what you stand for. People need to believe in what you stand for because your actions follow follow uh, follow those values. In our next show we're going to talk more about the topic of leadership and we're going to we're going to really dive into uh, the call of a leader. I hope you'll find again go look for me at andersonleadershipsolutions.com, go to overwhelmmanagersguide.com, om-guide.com to download the videos and resources and PDFs that are available there. Find me on Twitter at daveanderson88 or at LinkedIn at daveandersonleadershipsolutions. Until then, I hope you'll stop reacting and start leading.
3: Have a great day.